We haven't been giving the people what they want. Let's be honest. I hope we haven't, because we've been giving them zero episodes, so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If we've been giving them what they want in silence, it's not a good thing. Welcome to Lowering the Rim. Go to the hole. It's gone. We tell them about man. <laughs> this is Lowering the Rim, a podcast about the NBA from a fan's perspective. We're five brothers, Drew, Nick, the twins, Caleb and Keegan, and I'm your host, Ian. And today, unfortunately, we're missing the twins. But Drew, Nick, and myself are back to give you our takes on the latest NBA free agency news, as well as some final reflections on this past year's NBA Finals. So let's get into it. Let's go. All right, guys. A lot's been going on in NBA free agency. Um, I think the latest news, at least that I've been hearing a little bit of buzz about, is Mike Conley to the Jazz, and some people predicting that the Jazz might be contenders this year. Your thoughts? Uh, I don't have a ton of thoughts about it, but I, I, that doesn't seem too outrageous. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm actually I'm, I'm trying to remember. Wait, who's on the Jazz and who's on the Nuggets? I always confuse those guys. So the yeah. fact that you don't know who's on the Jazz makes me pause about you think that they could be a final contender, that that's not too far off. <laughs> the last time I watched the Jazz, John Stockton was playing. <laughs> Well, hey, at least... Yeah, at no, least... that's still the roster. So when I say that they can contend, I'm just, I guess, being nice cause you, or something. You guys know that I, I'm convinced there's about four teams every year that are real contenders. Yeah. That, the... that, that doesn't sound like one of them. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the West, the West is wide open. Conley may make them a little bit better, but it seems like all the West teams, or a lot of the West teams, are going to be better next year. And I don't know if that really puts them over the top. What do you think of these? Uh, you know, obviously Conley's in a different situation from Davis, but the returns that these teams are getting in terms of young talent and first-round draft picks is kind of stunning, especially for Conley. Two first-round picks and, and, and what, three players? Yeah, it makes you wonder, have we moved into more of a win-now mentality overall? Yeah, maybe. But is this a matter of teams behaving in the their own best interest because they think that there's a window right now for winning? Or are these just J, uh, GMs trying to save their jobs? Because the, the league seems, excuse me, as top-heavy as ever. And uh, as as limited, excuse me, in terms of elite teams as ever, and uh, moves like that don't seem to be bringing them any closer. Even with the Lakers, like you said, Drew, they have five players on their roster right now. That's it. It's what are they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I. Th- it's shocking because these teams are. Not only are they like going all in now, they are mortgaging their entire futures away. And so we it's just like saw if it, the importance of depth, right, in the final. Yeah, and clearly, so just mathematically, it's only going to work for one team, right? Only one team wins. So 
some of these teams have no future now when it doesn't work out for them right now as well. So, Don't you wonder a little bit if uh, you're going to see some teams move? If, if teams are going to bottom out to the degree where they lose their fan bases in, in these kind of moves, and you see them relocate to places like Seattle or – um, Maybe I gotta say though, you're you know you've kind of been low on small markets right right now. Small markets have I think have been killing it. The, you have the Pelicans cleaning cleaning out the Lakers, um, and you have Memphis now cleaning out the Jazz, and both of them also have the one and two pick in this year's draft. So yeah, they make small great markets moves. are looking good right now. Yeah, in the off season, yeah, and and. But what's happened for the Pelicans to get a generational talent like Zion and then to get the fourth pick after that and then to be able to flip Davis for what they did is, uh, yeah, that's that, that could be a once-in-a-generation trade. You know, it could be what the Cowboys did with Herschel Walker back in the day when they mm-hmm. rebuilt that 90s team. So, yeah, I, I agree. They look... I'm a Pelicans fan as of the moment they draft Zion, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's only one of him. So Memphis doesn't get one. Detroit doesn't get one. You know, it's. I think it still looks pretty dim in those markets. Well, for, maybe for Detroit. But Memphis had a, got a really <laughs> yeah. good pick last year. And now they're going to have two more shots at it this year. Yeah. But they, but every year with player empowerment, they have to sell these guys on the city. People, yeah, that's most people true. are not going to be like Gasol and, and and Conley and Zach who actually want to be there. Yeah, yeah. But you you at least get, I mean, with the really young guys like this, you're going to at least get you know four, five years or so to try to make something happen, try to move How it many- in the right direction. Yeah, how many years was Steph in the league before he he became what he is? Was it three or four? Four. Four. Okay. Year five is he kind of just put it all together. So, and he's kind of a best case scenario in a lot of ways. So you get them for their whole development, so they can go off and spend their prime in in a big market. <laughs> you know, I mean, That's sort of I, like what you're saying. If, the sort of the Anthony Davis situation. That's what that That's what ended up being. There. Hey, here's the deal though with Anthony Davis is he did not become what Steph has become. And I I think he puts up great stats, but I was really less than impressed with how far he could help carry his team. Um, I mean, they've had some decent teams and it's, it still just didn't really amount to much. Yeah. And in my opinion, I am... I don't think the Lakers are going to be – I mean, I'm really skeptical. Primarily because mm-hmm. are, they're going to have to run their guys in the ground just to keep up in the West. It's not like the East. I'm rooting so hard for a Pelicans-Lakers first round. I want to see that. And I, I mean, it'd s- have to be four and five, right? Ah. Uh, Maybe I mean you could neither of those teams is what you what you definitely will get is is probably a Christmas Day game. Lakers versus Pelicans. You think Lakers I don't know Pelicans get... Christmas? Yeah, maybe. I hope so. Yeah. I hope that I hope the league. It that seems smart. like 
Well, it seems like Zion will be um, a fan favorite, and he'll you know he'll be the new attraction that people Here, want to see. Here's the thing that Zion's going to do if there's a Pelicans Lakers playoff is people are going to be like, "Dang, LeBron looks old." It's going to be yeah. it is going to be this like shift in, "Oh, he's not he's not that guy anymore." His thing was always kind of the uh, well the thing, the 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 awe factor for him was uh, his athleticism and his physique, right? And Zion is both of those to the next level. He's probably more athletic than LeBron ever was. Yeah, it seems like that in way. Like body control, footwork. Yeah, he's just a yeah. It seems that way to me. And the one thing that I really loved was the way that Zion took over some of those NCAA games uh, during the tournament. I was really impressed with, like, he became the guy who rose to the top mm-hmm. that had to make some plays and make things happen. Um, and so I think there's there's something there. I mean, he's a good passer. Uh, obviously, his jumper needs to improve. But, man, he's so he – could, he could potentially be a Draymond-type guy, but, like, on a whole other level. And then if he could get, like, his jumper sorted out um, – then, I mean, you're talking about, like, yeah, just a completely different type of player. Uh, he's, I, I thought he was already a pretty good shooter. The issues that they had were hit, just getting him the ball. Barrett would force one sh- – he had, had Barrett not taken the last few shots of the Michigan State game, they would have won that game. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's just a matter of him being with – teammates who realize that he's how much better he is than them. Yeah. Well, I think Drew Holiday in that sense would be a good fit. Same with Lonzo, because Lonzo seems like he's a pass first. Yeah. And then Alvin Gentry will be a that's a great coach for him to have straight out the gate. Because he'll want to play fast. Yeah. How do you how do you think Ingram's gonna fit on that team? That's the one thing that's kind of uh I feel like Kuzma fits a lot better. Even though Ingram Ingram shows more like maybe individual scoring talent, more like a Durant, but Kuzma seems like he fits better into a a type of a system that Alvin Gentry would run, which is like more warrior style of like play hot potato with the ball, get the defense churned up, and you're going to get a good look from somebody. Yeah, play fast. I, I think Ingram and Ball – People are just going to be like, wow, where was this in Los Angeles? I think they're going to be yeah. unleashed. But look what look how frequently that happens with young players. We tend to forget how important environment is. And one after another of these young Lakers has gone somewhere else and suddenly emerged as an all-star or an all-NBA mm-hmm. guy. Or, so I'm, I'm reluctant to guess too much because we don't know who these guys are yet. Playing with LeBron is bad for your game. That's what I've heard. Yeah, That's know. what some of the, the some of the guys on on the mean the mean streets of the mean, on Tweet Street. Whenever I get on Tweet Street, there's a lot of guys saying that. Is that what Petty Air Jordan says, Ian? <laughs> you know, well, Pat- you probably just feel you probably just feel a little reluctant, and he 
you know, he's a high usage, so it's kind of like playing with Harden, right? He's going to have the ball so much, you just kind of, it's just a different type of, of game. But, yeah, I, I think those two are going to feel liberated, especially p- playing, getting to play up and down uh, in Gentry's system where they're trying to score 120 a night. Hey, Drew, what was the yeah. what was the percentage of Pelicans winning number one in the draft? It wasn't that high, was it? No, they were like they were a long shot to get it. Um, do do we have any conspiracy theory vibes on this? Is this the NBA's way of redeeming it was weird, wasn't redeeming it? the fact that Clutch Sports put their hand in the cookie jar and basically said, "Nope, we're gonna take your star and ruin your season." Yeah, like you you're your star player quit on us. His agent is like lambasting the commissioner at restaurants it does have that sort of you know uh gentry kept getting asked about it over and over and was clearly annoyed he didn't really hide that fact at all um but again it also just shows i think i mean this had nothing to do with them sign uh signing david griffin but the moves he's made since it just shows how competent of a GM he is. Mm. Yeah, I would say a couple things. One, it, just to go back to the LeBron thing, Ian has been on the LeBron is toxic uh, side of things for a long time, and I kind of pushed back against it. And, and it's then, just clear, and then it's KD clearly backed so true. him up. It's it's just. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I just want to give Ian credit for that. I thought it was just hate, <laughs> but it's actually just spot on. And uh, the second thing is with the Pelicans getting the first round pick. I think that the problem is with clutch sports and the things that happen with teams being bullied and players being empowered to a, a degree that cha- really changes the landscape of free agency and everything else. Um. But I think small market teams across the league were coming to Silver and saying, what, what do we do? Best case scenario, we draft a guy like Anthony Davis. What if he doesn't want to show up? You know, what if he wants to leave a year later? You have to give us a way to compete because we can never be Los Angeles. We can never. So if, if the league had motivation to throw them the first pick, which I don't think they did, but I think that's the really – that, that will be the thing that, that keeps Silver up at night is just going, you know, small market teams are not – they get about 10% of the attention, but they're really 90% of our business. You know, we have to find a way to keep them on the floor. Mm-hmm. I, Nick, I want to say thank you for the, the credit there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I heard that. I internalized that. And Kevin Durant thanks you as well. He 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 was on this early in the season, and he's not getting enough credit for saying what we he's all not. know, which is LeBron creates a toxic environment. Um, yeah, I do want to know: is it too early for us to work on uh, our? You know, we're, we've got the merch store that's coming out. I'm I'm really excited for our our Lakers shirt that say "That's all, folks." Is it too early to put those up or? <laughs> Oh, I'm with you. I, I don't. Oh, 
does sound like we're just ragging on them, but I don't think they're going to win a championship. I think they'll be a good team. They'll probably make the playoffs, but it's gonna. Well, it's it's my heart hurts a little bit for the Lakers fans when they realize, oh, we're not going to win a championship, and we now have no future because we <laughs> traded away all our draft picks. <laughs> what if Silver and send, so Silver sends what, them to Seattle? And the Clay, six, the Clippers no. become the new Lakers. Or, or yeah, they just he just says, you know what, Balmer, you get the Staples Center now. The Lakers will be the away team yes, from now on. I love it. I love uh, it. Well, what if we um, what if we jump to this other question that I, you know, I've been thinking about? The Rockets are obviously having some drama, and um, I've just been wondering: Are we sure that? Chris Paul and Rich Paul aren't the same person. <laughs> oh. He is like the president of the CBA, right? So he could Oh, that's right. He, he could run up on Silver anytime he wants. Exactly. And he does do uh, commercials about double identity. Oh my gosh, I saw someone say, "Now we know why uh, James Harden destroyed Chris Paul's kitchen and his living room and set his microwave on fire. <laughs> uh, is is that the uh, the second worst contract in the NBA right now, Chris Paul? It's it's got to be untradeable, right? I heard today it's four more years. I was thinking it was only three. It's four oh, more it's... years. I remember telling you that whenever they initially offered it to him. I was like, what is Daryl Morey thinking? Bro, that's like 40. That you, that's I think he's averaging 40 million a year for 4 years. Oh my gosh. He he did a good job as president of the CBA cuz he orchestrated a pretty nice deal for himself. Well, one question I have I don't want to take us off topic, but the league has changed in the last few years. Has it changed in a way that's diminished someone like his value because th- th- there was a time where he was one of the banana boat guys and he was and Carmelo got outmoded you know the, the, the league kind of outgrew his style of play and has, has something similar happened to uh, Chris Paul it's hard to tell well, I think it... oh go ahead I was just gonna say he's just older you know as you get older you're not as valuable in the league I mean I, I think a point guard is definitely valuable for every team but but the way that he plays the way that he runs an offense i i never watch houston play so I, I i don't know i think he's um it seems to me that it it's less of a skill set issue and more of a um leadership style and um I don't know if it's a mentality or strategy like that maybe more of a style of play like it's it's his leadership style and the brand of basketball he wants to play I don't think fits as well now and in part because okay. everybody's chasing the Steph Curry kind of mm-hmm. selfless strength in numbers model and Chris Paul is so such a traditional like um, I'm the brains behind the offense. I'm in command mm. of the offense. I control the offense. I determine who's going to okay. 
take what shots. He has scoring ability, so I don't think that that's an issue. I mean, he can, he has a lot of different ways he can score. I've actually been impressed with the the ways he still, you know, finds little mid-range shots and his consistency for hitting threes. I mean, he's not an at-the-rim finisher, but he can penetrate the defense. Um, mm. He can't blow by guys, so it's more like getting the defense to be a pick and roll and that sort of thing. But the the NBA is full of that, so. I think he yeah. doesn't – his way of playing doesn't mesh as well. It's not so much his skill set. Okay, but, yeah, it still seems like there's something there that has made him less valuable in a changing league, you know, with different expectations. Now you're, you're expected to score way more frequently than you would have been before. At that position, you're expected to – you know the 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 mid range the mid range game is vanishing, so that's worth less than ever before. And hey, I'm I'm just curious. Do you remember? I remember Kyrie praising a leader that he had, someone he really respected their leadership style. And earlier mm-hmm. in the season, do you guys remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was Rich Paul, didn't he? He called Rich Paul and said, "Hey, I really like how you how you operate." All roads lead to denigration of LeBron. <laughs> Seriously, though, when the, that was, you I are mean, so hey, clutch, when, when that was in the middle of the toxic environment, the one that Kyrie wanted to get out of, he didn't about face and said, "Man, I totally get LeBron now. This is hard. It's hard being a leader." It's hard being a toxic yeah, leader. <laughs> it's really hard ruining a, a group of young talent overnight. Sort yeah. of going back to our earlier discussion of McAfee antivirus, you know. I oh. I think my prediction is the Celtics are going to bounce back. Brad Stevens is going to look like coach of the year again. I think it all had to do with Kyrie, and it was just it didn't work out the way that Boston thought it was going to work out, and obviously Kyrie thought it was going to work out. Yeah, I just can't believe they didn't get anything for him. I can't believe they didn't trade him last season. That just seemed like a man. That, that Ainge is usually more ruthless than that. He's usually more on it. I don't know what happened there. Okay, let's um, let's jump to our finals reflections. Drew, I'm preparing for you to just really go off here. Oh, man, I'm going to be such a homer. I apologize to the listeners because I know I'm going to be such a homer. Uh, you are wearing a Kevin Durant hat right now. So maybe somebody else should start. I guess I'll, I'll start by saying this. I think uh, KD and Clay are both going to stay, get the max deals. And uh, I, I think both of them aren't going to play at all next year. They'll just sit out the whole year, and that's why I also think Steph and Draymond should just get iced and just maybe they can get a good pick out of it in the draft lottery. There's just no point in in them really caring too much about next season. Just let it be a lost tape year and they'll still have all the talent to win another title or two down the line. But uh, I'll let you guys start about the finals because I don't want to I don't want to be too aggressive at from the jump. Well, Nick, maybe maybe you can share some of your 
you know, bigger kind of um, themes that this finals, um, I don't know, just casts upon the NBA related to load management. Um, you know, I tweeted at one point that load management was the real MVP of this Um, but maybe you could just share some of your reflections there oh uh we were texting about this in game i think throughout games five and six when they lost durant and thompson to leg injuries and keep me on track if i'm if i'm forgetting something or getting too far off off base but for a long time, I've had a lot of sympathy for teams that rest star players for as many games as they want, especially top-tier teams who know they're going to be in the playoff field, which is gigantic, 16 teams. As we saw, home court advantage doesn't really matter. I think the last five games of the finals were won by the road team. So there's just very little incentive for, for good teams to show up for the regular season. The regular season really is a kind of preseason. Uh, Kawhi Leonard said that in the, uh, at some point in the playoffs, and I, I really like it because I think it's true. And uh, I've thought for years that the season is just too long. It should be about 60 games, and fewer teams should make the playoffs. When Durant went down in Game 5, you know, I, I, I we, we were texting about it, and I was saying – he should have been at home with his his third ring a month and a half ago. The playoffs at that point, I think, had been going on for 65 days. So, and and that's part of the drawback to stretching them out the way they do. You 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 give them extra days rest, but the off season gets smaller and smaller. So both those guys were okay for. I think Durant played a hundred games this season. Thompson played. No, I'm sorry. I think Thompson played 100 games and Durant played 90-something. But I mean, that is an ungodly amount of basketball. So to keep putting these guys out there, to keep asking them to play in meaningless games in the middle of the country against teams that don't matter, I, I think it's going to bring people to the point where they're resting players gratuitously because there's just so much meaningless basketball. I, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that this is kind of a breakthrough for load management. From here on out, we're going to see stars resting a lot. I hope they do. I hope the season gets smaller. I hope the playoff, uh, um, uh, what's the word for it? The, the sort of playoff seeding strength. There should be about eight teams. I think, Ian, you said 10 teams, 12 teams. Maybe maybe give a couple of them a buy or or a one game playoff or, but there's just when you have a finals determined by what's basically a war of attrition, on whichever teams have athletes still standing, it's it's no longer serving its purpose, which is yes, it's an entertainment product, but it's also there to help you determine who the best team actually is. So when you walk away, and even Raptors fans are saying, well. The Warriors are better, but that's basketball. I find myself saying, does it have to be that way? You know, is that really, is it still basketball, or is this about which teams are more willing to lie to the league about minor injuries to not have to pay fines for load management? Is this, it's just going to get really strange. 
and there's going to be a lot of small markets with uh, teams like the Pacers. I had a friend of mine took his son to see the Warriors for his birthday, and Steph and maybe KD sat for load management. This is before teams were getting fined. I think it's going to be happening all over, especially in the middle of the country, and will really tarnish the product and damage interest in season tickets and all that stuff. Anyway, yeah, those those are just some of my instinctive responses is that the, the league has a major problem brewing here, and it may not be as sensitive to it just yet as it should be. Yeah, and I, I really like your point about the finals should not be a war of attrition. It should be you're getting to see the best players play against each other for however long it takes, six or seven games, you know. That's what you want to see. You don't want to see, uh, you know, people having to play G League guys because yeah, the, their best players are are done. And not only done for the playoffs, but now that now they're gonna miss an entire season, which mm-hmm. just hurts the league that much more. And it's the, like got, has a terrible ripple effect. And those guys, you want guys to be uh, in football. They have a sixteen game season. Every time they consider going to eighteen games, it used to be fourteen, like uh, basketball and uh, hockey used to be closer to sixty. They went up to 16. They talk about going to 18. There are 11 minutes of actual physical competition in every NFL football game because the clock runs while the ball is um, being set, while guys are lined up for the snap count and all that stuff. And they're never going to make it an 18-game season because it's too demanding. You're putting these guys out there for 100-game seasons and it really just feels like we've lost the plot. You know, they they were exhausted. Both mm-hmm. Durant and Thompson had tendon injuries, but they were triggered by uh, a strained calf. And what did uh, was was Thompson dealing with a hamstring? Thompson was dealing with. Uh, I think the medical term is. Every time he was up in midair, um, Danny Danny Green decided he just wanted to go see what was going on. Uh, for some reason, just wanted to go say hello every time uh, Clay Thompson's in midair. So that was the medical term for his injury. I don't I don't blame Green. I I, I just think that you have. It's just my my point there is that these are injuries that people could say are fluky, but you have two guys playing hurt. And everyone knows that you start to favor different parts of your body. And even the act of landing, your body control is is not what it was. Your ability to to shift your weight or your hips to land on your muscle or your knees the right way is all compromised in these subtle ways. So I don't want to hear from Adam Silver that research has shown that playing 100 games a season, five seasons in a row, isn't bad for your body, you know isn't going to prevent you from finding out who the best team is at the end of the year. That's it's. I just saw a bunch of guys that were gassed this finals. The, the Raptors looked fresh. They looked good. But against a fresh and fully rostered Golden State team, that would have been a much funner series to watch and probably would have had a different winner. 
So it's, you just kind of have to pause and say, well, what are we doing here? Is this really all about us getting the biggest contracts, owners getting the biggest TV deals? Is this, or, or is, it, is it about what is happening on the court? Here's we are, here's yeah. the thing too though with the T is in regards to the TV deals, even if they shorten the season, that deal is going to stay the exact same because they don't they're not airing they're only airing like forty games or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? So they would still be able to get all their televised games that they want. So the TV deal money wouldn't would not change whatsoever if they shorten the season. Well, then you could really yeah, and you could argue that. Um, the uh, ratings may be higher if the games are more meaningful. Yeah, I would watch. I watched, uh, you guys know I watched three regular season games this year. One was with you. I had a blast at the game. That was fun. Oh, we're and definitely, we we're going to we're gonna go to a whole slate of games this next year. I hope so. I'm already, yeah. I'm already uh, going to uh, figure out the, I want to see the Mavs, the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, the Kings I'd love to see. Uh, but we're not watching on TV, or I'm not on TV. I, yeah. I love the game. I like being with you guys. I like talking about it there and, and, and having dinner and all that stuff. But when you're home at night and you have all the options that we have for entertainment and it's just game 47 where you already know you're in the playoffs, you know, 47 of 82, and it's just it, – it, they're – yeah, it's point. I mean, the players themselves say the you know the season didn't even start till after All Star break. That's when it's yeah. Like, well, and I think well, you had mentioned an article. Yeah, that where there's an article. Nothing changes is after the All Star yeah, break. There, that the teams basically stay the same. Yeah, there's an yeah, article. Yeah, I need to that, find that because it was. You know where it is, Ian? No, I don't know where it is, but I remember seeing that same article. I maybe you shared it with us. I can't remember. Yeah, basically at the All Star break. The playoff seeds are set, and they're not just set in terms of which eight teams are going to make the playoffs in each conference. The order is almost identical. So over the course of like five years, it turns out basically it had taken, uh, I mean, they, they had maybe one playoff team change over the course of five years from the All-Star break on. And if, if what the regular season is supposed to do is tell you which teams belong in the playoffs, well, that's accomplished 50 games in. Again, those yeah. last 30 games, it's all a money grab, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and you have to ask, at what point are you alienating purists who actually like gameplay, who actually like the athleticism and the strategy and, like, the sport and not the circus? Well, that's, and also, you know, what's where's the line where you're not sabotaging the game? Because, like I said earlier, yeah. now next NBA season – two of the top 15 guys won't play the entire season. You know, arguably the best player in the league is not going to play for a whole season when they could have, you know, eliminated all that. Do they, yeah, they, he they already have been said, done. Do they already say Steph's sitting out the whole season? Uh, yeah, I mentioned that earlier. There's just, he's going into retirement for one year, <laughs> oh, okay. and then uh, he'll come back when... So, and the frustrating thing for me is I'm hearing all this this rage at the the Warriors doctors and everybody's pointing fingers at Steve Kerr and and this is on the league because it, it it they had long since proven that they were they were long since they they had long since passed the point where they should have had the opportunity to play in a final series and prove they were the best team but they just kept playing and playing and 
Yeah. And I put it on silver. It's 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 a league problem. Quit quit blaming the doctors. And, and they they have creative ways to make up that rep. Like for example, they started doing the patch thing. That's only two years old, where companies are paying them millions of dollars to put a mm-hmm. patch on the jersey. So there's other ways that they can make up that money. Not to mention all these owners are already billionaires. It's, you know, it's Dude, just yeah. it's, it, it's sad that. They really just want those extra 30 games that are meaningless, which makes, which devalues the entire season. And then you get, and it wasn't even just the finals. I mean, the playoffs were riddled with injuries. So it's like it, every round is suffering. Um, yeah. Because of all of this uh, uh, accumulation of time. Uh, all that said, Drew, are, are you thinking of coming back out for more games? Oh, for a Pacers game, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Ian, you said Mavs, Nuggets. Yeah, who would you want to see, Drew? Uh, either the Mavs or the Pelicans would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Or I, yeah, those would probably be the two main teams I'd want to see. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else. What are some East Coast? Maybe the Bucks. Bucks Maybe the would be Sixers. fun. Yeah, Bucks, 76ers would both be fun. Brooklyn, depending on who they end up picking up, I would I would be open to seeing them. Same with Boston. I mean, depending on who Boston picks up, it yeah. could be interesting. Well, the thing is, Boston will be more money. They're like an upper-tier ticket because there are tons of Boston fans in Larry Bird land, you know? Yeah, well, and Gordon Hayward. Yeah, he's, that's he's true. He went to... Came from uh, Noblesville or something. Brownsburg, yeah. Butler. Well, yeah, Brownsburg and then Butler. He he, he played high school at Brownsburg. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he we'll definitely marrying with that buzzer beater. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> hey, uh, after six consecutive timeouts. Yeah, I think Nick's hottest take is that Katie the Katie's blood is on Silver's hands. I like that one. Load management. Yeah, I don't. I'm especially the point he made about like you can't. I do not blame the Warriors doctors whatsoever. No, there's no way that they said, yeah, you might tear your Achilles, but why don't you just go on out there anyway? When the human they, body, they've who, shown, they've shown. Sorry, what was that? Sorry, I was going to say the human body. Our medicine is better than ever, but it's just a, it's its own animal. It's, yeah, and he's he's had injuries there, and they've shown that they are overly cautious with all their injuries. You know, that they're not just trying to throw guys out there. Yeah, and and the really rich thing is going to be next season when Silver starts to find teams for protecting their athletes, you know, all yeah, while pretending and I, and to I care say, about you know, players. Just, well, that's, yeah, that's actually – just pay it. I was curious, do you think, Nick, that – you know, we talked about tampering and how maybe the league doesn't really care about tampering that much as long as it's not out in the, the public. Do we think load management will become more accepted by the league or at least in a certain way? I mean, the league a few years ago was like, hey, don't load management on national televised games. But if you need to rest the guy the Friday night before, by all means, do so. Um, do you think so that'll how, become more normal? How's this for the new strategy? Your guys only play during the nationally televised games. 
Yeah, but that's, yeah, or that's they, not... They, they just, the, the owners want them to play at home. I mean, that's part of the, the thing here, too, right? It's like, so that could be that you, you play all your home games, and then you play your TV games. Yeah. And then that's probably going to get you to about 50, 60 games, right? Yeah. Definitely no one is playing back-to-backs anymore, I bet. Yeah, I would. Yeah, apparently Kawhi did not play a single back-to-back this season, and then also... You know, there were times I think three or four times where he played neither game in a back-to-back. So that that was uh, they they focused on that, and I, and I think I heard they sat down together, he and the team, and sort of made out that schedule at the beginning. So they let him participate and said, "Look, what's what's good for you?" Which is every team should do. Yeah, and he's and he still looked a little gimpy. Like imagine if they wouldn't have done that, he would have been KD. He he would not be playing in the finals. Silver's kind of spinning it like, well, because I think six games were listed uh, as injury. Sixteen were load management. So I think 22 out of 82 he sat. And Silver's saying, well, those loads management, those were really injury-related because he didn't find them. Yeah. Uh, and one of his gifts is that he's a good listener. He's good at sensing the pulse of the league and basically doing things that make players and owners happy. So not like a bold decision maker, but he'll follow them where they want to go. So to your question, Ian, I think that if players really throw a fit, he'll he'll lay off. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. Well, and the lead guys like that can do whatever they want, essentially. I mean, Kawhi can say, "No, this is what I'm going to do." And like, he's what, getting everybody paid, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's like, what do you what are you going to do if you're if you're James Harden? If you're Kawhi, if you're Steph, if you're LeBron, you know, all those guys, if you're the main Giannis and you just say, hey, here's the schedule I want to play. I mean, what do you get? What's the team going to do? Yeah, because right now there's got to be more fear of like, well, if they don't like the situation we're creating, then they're going to leave. Excuse me. You know, so. So this is the upside of player empowerment, right? Yeah. Well, they can. The, the owners are greedy. The owners and, yeah. and the league is greedy, and the league is short-sighted. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. I feel like silver. I, I think silver is like as long as we're making more money. He probably does not care. <laughs> the problem is where the rubber meets the road is no owner who would have to vote on it wants less games in their building because they're they're decreasing their revenue by doing yeah. so. So you have to have buy-in from all the owners with some other way to recoup that revenue. Um, which, like what you already said, you guys both laid out, there's other ways to do it. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know. How that how that deal you gets hear, done? Yeah, you hear that, but <clears throat> but then you look on SeatGeek and ticket two tickets are going for sixty eight thousand dollars. It's just like whoa, stuff is not stuff is not adding up. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's all going to scalpers. You know, that's all going to secondhand market. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt the owners are getting paid. The thing I like about Silver is that, you know, like like we said, he listens. So when it turns out the league has got a growing mental health problem, and it always had, you know, 
paid less attention to that than it should have. He, he, he realizes our, this is jeopardizing our business. If our players are all depressed and, and, and maybe there's a part of him that actually wants to help them, but he's looking into initiatives to, uh, improve mental health. If this becomes a crisis that threatens the fabric of the league, he'll find a way to protect players. So I'm, I'm hoping that they throw a fit. I'm hoping that they just make it impossible to police the, the load management thing. Yeah, just think how exciting it would be to have something resembling a college schedule, you know, where every game matters. Maybe they do a mini tournament, um, like how they do the conference tournaments in college, and the, the mini tournament could determine your draft pick or something like that. So you, there's something to be earned by it. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. like you just can't keep doing the same old thing because that's how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think you need a more dynamic uh, regular season in terms of the schedule. You have to have games that determine where you play next, or yeah, like something like midseason invitationals, where I mean, it happens every playoffs. They, 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 they plan around uncertainty, unknown opponents, unknown arenas and all that stuff. Create uh, revenue by spicing up the regular season and, and having sort of midseason prizes that aren't as total as winning the finals, but they're worth something. Like if you win, you're automatically in the playoffs. Or if you win, you have home field, home court advantage through the second round or something. Mm-hmm. Or you get the number one draft pick, or so, or you're guaranteed a top ten draft pick. Something, something. Yeah. So it's still meaningful. It's yeah. not the all star. Or what game if you could you could pointless. you can swap salaries with any other team with two players that match? <laughs> <laughs> the Celtics are like you get to trade. You get to trade for whoever you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That would be that would actually yeah, be an interesting one to say. Hey, you can move one of your starters for any other team's um, uh, non-starters, uh, and this and just match up the salaries. That would actually be an interesting yeah. one. So it's like you're saying, yeah, I want to part with my star, um, and I'm going to pick up you know two role players. So like two years ago when PJ Tucker was coming off the bench. You know, like at the time, like maybe PJ Tucker and Trevor Ariza, although I think Trevor started, but like those two would probably be more valuable than Kyrie Irving for the Celtics. You know what I mean? You say, okay, we're just going to play with Terry Rozier. We're going to go strengthen numbers on this thing. Let's drop Kyrie. And uh, yeah, you got some serious role player firepower. I mean, yeah, I, I like the idea, but it, it sounds like a malicious board game where you're like, you know, you, you, you can't play with professional rosters like that. You can do stuff like you can. allow someone an extra roster spot. Um, or, yeah, you could increase their cap. That'd be interesting. Oh, that yeah. would be cool. Yeah. You get, a, mean, you get a 5% bump or something. Yeah, I like that. And... Uh, and people think about so you know how the playoffs already make more money than the re- a regular season game anyway. So a mini, like mid season tournament, likewise, 
it's going to make more money than just a your typical regular season game. And it still means something, although yeah. it's not the championship. Okay, we need to get back to Drew's Homer thoughts on the finals. Can I just say one last thing on, on, on this count? No. Real quick. <laughs> That's very enthusiastic he is. So I still think that one of the best things that could happen for the NBA is for the G League to get to the point where they can start dealing in relegation, you know. If you're bad enough, you lose your status as an NBA franchise, and the, and the, and the Mad Ants get to move up or whatever else. And midseason tournaments could determine stuff like that too. If, if, if you're just playing bad enough for the first 40 games, you're one of the four teams that has to play to, to keep its NBA membership. Mm. Like, you, you, you talk about drama. I mean, that is like champions. That's like finals-level drama in a, place like the, in a place like Detroit, you know, or just playing for their lives, playing for pride and so forth. And the owner has all kinds of incentive. Cause guess what happens to the value of his franchise if they get rele- relegated? <laughs> it's just like in, in the U.K. with the Premier League and stuff, you know I mean? So... Anyway, that's that's just one last comment. I like it. All right, Drew. Give us your Warriors fan take of the finals. Well, I think I think we already hit on most of the stuff. It's just it's annoying that it's annoying that they lost twice. Like now they're gonna lose a whole season because of uh the way this stuff has been treated, you know? Your description it's of like, Clay I, Thompson's injury, I'm still thinking about that. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's like, quit jumping up behind somebody that's in midair. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's like, I, I, if, I wouldn't have cared if the Raptors won and they were playing the Warriors, but the fact that KD has to go down. Well, think about it. DeMarcus made all these huge steps and then goes down in the first round, tears his quad. Then you have KD goes down in the second round. And he's like, he misses that and he misses the entire third round and most of the finals. Uh, Steph had dislocated his finger. That wasn't as big a deal. But then you have Clay goes down twice misses games in the finals. Uh, it, it was good timing for the Raptors, you know. I Basically, whatever team won the East was going to win the finals this year uh, because of the stuff that went on. So, you know, it was a mix of they, they, had, they had good talent and they had really good timing. Wasn't it crazy how that narrative flipped too? Like going into the finals is like, man, mm-hmm. Warriors don't even need KD. They're that good. And then after game one, oh, man, it looks like the Warriors need KD. <laughs> and then game three, man, Steph did a lot, but it's just not too much. He doesn't have enough help. <laughs> and then So I never – I was not on that band that said we don't need KD. But if Clay doesn't go down in game six, they are winning that game six, and they're going yeah. to game seven without KD. So – well, take it a step. I guess take it a, I, take it a, I, I guess that what I'm saying is they are they were good enough to go to a game seven. Yeah, I, but I, you I still was never in that camp. I definitely wanted KD to be there. Yeah, the I think time. if you take it a step further back as if Clay was just healthy the whole series cuz he missed game 3. 
And yeah, remember, that's, that's true. When... Him and him and Looney missed game three because yeah. Looney uh, got called for a foul when Kawhi Leonard broke his ribs, which is really <laughs> weird. I don't know how he got foul got fouled on that play, but yeah, there is. What's that? What's that? That ref's name? Scott Foster. Oh, Mark Mark, Mark, Mark uh, Davis. Mark the Davis. Rock, Mark Johnson, I think. What's he ref in that game? Uh, I don't no, I, I don't think so. That was game two, I believe. So no, I think he ref game three and game six. But uh, okay. yeah, I mean they were gonna go to game seven. Nick, you had that article that you shared with us about how Clay Thompson is probably the most clutch player in the NBA, and he was doing it again. Game six. 30, yeah, that article was thirty came points out after game five. It's just nuts. The guy is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And DeMarcus had that quote that I just thought was so great about he felt like he was in a horror movie, like who's going to die next? <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah. He's like, who? <laughs> who's going to die next? And that's what it felt like. It's like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't great. feel disappointed that the Warriors lost because what were they supposed to do, you know? Yeah. He... He was like, uh, DeMarcus was doing like self-talk on his quads, like, hang in there, quads, you can do it. <laughs> Just a couple more games. Oh. Hey, here's here's a hot take for you. Probably not that hot of a take. If KD is the only one injured, and I'm talking take it all the way back to like um, Boogie never gets injured, I think it's a very different series. I think there's... Mm. I think there was a slight chance, even if the Warriors could just get it to Game Seven, and Clay never got injured in Game Six. I think there's a chance they still could have won it, even this past year. Oh, definitely. Um, but I, you know, I it felt to me like in the moment when Clay went down, I kind of went through two waves of emotion. The first wave was like, "Oh, it's over. There's no way the Warriors aren't going to do it. You know, they're they're not going to be able to hang on." But then when they were still in it all the way through the fourth, I was like, oh my goodness, is this setting up for Steph Curry to basically be the ultimate, I mean, almost like goat status, to do what LeBron couldn't do while simultaneously redeeming themselves from what LeBron did do to them in 2016 by carrying his team past the Raptors, which was clearly the strength and numbers team of the series. And then he misses that shot in game six, and I just could not believe it. Um, you know, I was pretty bummed out that just the overall game that Curry had, I think he only had 21 points. And, um, man, you just got to you gotta hit that shot, you know. I mean, you're, you play for that moment. And so I was, I mean, I'm not that Steph didn't do enough. I mean, he made some amazing shots in the playoffs with leading the Warriors past the Rockets and then leading the Warriors past the Blazers. And, you know, I think he two, averaged, he averaged 32 points in the finals. I mean, the guy was playing awesome. Yeah, but he didn't play well in that game six. I mean, over, well, overall. Yeah, but neither did Kawhi, but they're acting like he's, like, God now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Kawhi and, didn't even score in the fourth quarter till he had that technical free throw at the very yeah. end. Yeah, and 
Curry is judged on a different standard because he's guarded unlike anyone else in the league and is still expected to perform at the same all-star level. So, I mean, I get all that, but at the same time, you got a shot to win the game. Some people say it's a combination of like, you know, obviously the Warriors are really run down. So, I mean, he's he's out of energy, you know, he's just gassed. And then the other, I, the other thing I heard was because they took him off the ball so much, he's just, he just was never in rhythm that game. Cause basically mm-hmm. the Raptors were just smothering him off ball. And when you're playing the whole game where you're just kind of running around, never really touching the ball, you never get a feel for the mm-hmm. game that it kind of just, it leads to just being a little bit off. And so, well, you, know, you who, saw all those. You saw all those screenshots. The guy is being triple teamed like oh, yeah. most of the game. Yeah, I no saw one, some. They I didn't saw, even do that to Kawhi. I saw some uh, LeBron fan tweet this thing about LeBron being triple and quadruple teamed, but all of the shots were of him underneath the basket. <laughs> And somebody, somebody, somebody said, uh, somebody goes, well, I got a bunch of pictures of Draymond being triple teamed under the basket. That doesn't mean anything. The Kembe Mutombo was constantly triple teamed. That guy could play. It's like, what's your point? He's right under the basket. Of course, everybody's going to just collapse down there. Like that's yeah. completely that's, different than double teaming somebody at you know thirty feet away. Yeah, that's that why I don't think he played a bad game. I mean, it sucks he missed that shot, but I don't, I don't think he played a bad game at all. the The guy, the guy, is guarded unlike anyone in the history of the NBA has ever been guarded. Here's here's the thing for me. I would have felt a lot better if Curry hits that shot. And even if the Raptors just beat them by 20 in Game 7, it just would have felt like a just a more meaningful loss. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but see, I think that's the problem with Curry's legacy already. It's like he can't ever do enough. The one that's how people, stat. people treat him. What was the stat, Ian? For, oh, oh, he's uh, o of, leading into that game. He's O of nine with twenty seconds left for go ahead, a go ahead shot. So like, I so I think it's is that in the playoffs or is it regular yeah, season as well? It's I can't remember if it's playoffs or yeah, it'd have to be playoffs. It wouldn't be finals, would it? it seems like a lot of shots for the finals, but. I mean, um, he's had some big shots in the playoffs. Though. But I, I mean, have, the game—the game before he hit that huge three to tie it. Yeah, I was gonna say I've seen other people do kind of the counter argument of say, well, and I haven't looked into all the stats, but basically there's uh, some people who say, well, this is kind of just selective stats because he's hit a ton of clutch shots, like under 30 seconds, or if the game is. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You know they're up by one or something like that. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, to so just seal it's, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of um, so you know you'd, you'd have to look at all those other those other things too because mm-hmm. it's not like mm-hmm. he hasn't had clutch moments, but it's just that has, that yeah. specific type of moment. Like twenty seconds or left, and you need a go ahead shot. He's missed nine of those shots apparently. Yeah. But yeah, I my 
my biggest, what I'm most bummed by is that I think it would have just been fitting for, you know, game five, KD goes out, they find a way to win. Game six, Clay goes out, they find a way to win. And then, yeah, sure, they don't have enough firepower for game seven, but it would have just been a more fitting way to lose, like the Warriors rallying yeah. uh, after each of these players get injured. Um, you know, the one other thought I had was, if they didn't mess around in that Clipper series, remember they gave away 30? Uh, yeah, game thir- two. Yeah, like, mm. and they had longer rest because they didn't end up having as much rest in between because they went to six games in round one. Um, I mean, think about that. Their longest round was in round one, right? Because didn't they, or did they go six with the Rockets? Yeah, they went six. Okay, so they went six with the Rockets and then four with the Blazers. I mean, that's just ridiculous that they went six with the Clippers. Yeah, that didn't help. I still think it's it's probably more the culmination of five years worth versus just that one series. But yeah, but you're right. I mean that that was you know those are the type of games you gotta you, you gotta finish off. Yeah, for sure. Nick, you have any other final reflections on the finals? Nothing coming to mind. No, no. I, I, I thought I was surprised by Toronto. I'll just say that it, for all that we've said about uh, Golden State not being themselves, the Kawhi Leonard effect I think is just something that is hard to doubt at this point. The it's 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 this calming empowering effect on a bunch of role guys like Fred Van Fleet and you know I mean even Lowry seemed to take it to another level and that that's something that you can't quantify but yeah it's 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 real he's he's deserving of, of whatever he gets wherever he goes yeah. and I think it also settled in my mind at least the the, the San Antonio drama hmm. it's I'm more inclined now, not knowing what happened, putting it more on the San Antonio franchise because yeah. he's not a he's not a, a, a like a, a prima donna. He's not he's not a, a dramatic guy. He's he's not into creating storylines, playing the media, and that's kind of what killed him. There is he never spoke up for himself. Yeah, we kept hearing all these unnamed sources, and then we'd hear from the Spurs, you know, their kind of frustration, but. Yeah, so I'm happy for him on that count. He sort of settled his reputation. So you think you think he goes to the Clippers next year, or does he uh, stay? I hope not. He bailed off that stage pretty quick when the GM <laughs> got up there afterwards. Yeah, I'm always trying to watch that stuff. You know, he he didn't when when the GM came up to talk after maybe he got the MVP or something. He disappeared. Yeah, pretty suddenly. I I don't know. I kind of got the feeling that, that he's gone, but I really hope he isn't. I'd love to see what, him on the what Clippers. Do you think? I think it'd be yeah. it'd be it'd be really exciting. But that's mainly because uh, I I feel like it was a loss for the United States of America this past year. Well, I think that's about wraps it up for us, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Lowering the Rim podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you download your podcast. 
Make sure to give us a five stars if you liked what you hear, and we'll see you next time.